This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. Now, we're currently recording on March the 16th, 2022, and we've been away for a little while. Uh, apologies again for having been away here a little bit with the weekly Lee. You were in South Africa enjoying some time in Johannesburg looking at, I think, animals. And you got to do a little bit of a retail tour as well. No, yeah. I was doing all kinds of uh, safaris and stuff like that because, you know, I have family there and you always can't get enough of the African wildlife. But but yes, I went through a number of the retail malls while I was there. But uh, it's not really that different than when I was there in January 2020 when I had done the mall tours of Menland Mall as well as Santon City. So. If you want to peek at those, there's some interesting um, retailers on the luxury spectrum or the regular spectrum that most people go to, like Zara and that kind of stuff that are there, but as, as well as some um, South African owned and operated brands and, and so on that are not anywhere else but there. So, But I'll include a link to the, um, to the, uh, to the mall tours from 2020, but getting back to the ranch, Craig, while I was away, I hear that there was an announcement of a closure on Blur Street, right? Let's hop into that. Yes, yes. Uh, we're talking a bit about the closure of the Hudson's Bay store at the corner of Young and Bloor in Toronto. Why is this significant? Yes. Um, it's a significant announcement because the store actually operated as the company's flagship store between 1974 and 1991. Uh, we're talking the main store. The store, it was a brand new build, uh, part of the Hudson's Bay Centre, which had been constructed there in the early 70s. And where was the headquarters before that point? Uh, prior to that, the Hudson Bay Company's uh, main flagship department store for, as we know it now, Hudson's Bay was in Winnipeg. It had been there for a good number of years. And uh, um, then it was moved to Toronto uh, along with the uh, corporate headquarters for the company. Mm. And in 1991, uh, the Young and Bloor Hudson's Bay store uh, was no longer the flagship store. Mm. Where did the title go to? A new, newly named Hudson's Bay department store at the corner of Young Street and Queen Street in downtown Toronto. Mm. That location had been a Simpsons department store for nearly a hundred years um, until the Hudson Bay Company, which owns Simpsons since 1978, uh, decided to convert the banner of that location uh, to a Hudson's Bay store, make it the company's flagship for the whole chain, and uh, also decommission the name Simpsons uh, as a department store, which you know was a bit sad. For, well, for many people, that was a sad thing that had happened. But we'd also just gone through a recession um, uh, right around that time in the early 1990s, which uh, did lead to uh, a significant reduction in retail sales. And I think that that had certainly hit uh, higher end stores such as Simpsons uh, and the, you know, the profits just weren't there. Yeah. Makes sense. And riding on that history and fast forwarding to 2022, um, let's get into like, why is Hudson Bay choosing 2022 to shutter this location? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the store will be closing. Um, now the official word from uh, Hudson's Bay is that the two locations were, uh, too close together, uh, which I do agree with. Uh, having that uh, location at the corner of Queen and Young, uh, it's about, I think, two and a half oh. kilometers south of the Young and Bloor intersection. So those two Hudson's Bay stores were quite close together. There's no question. Also, they had been that close together since 1991. So it wasn't like this was a new thing. Yeah. Well, and again, changing retail landscape and all that kind of good stuff, right? So, but yeah, why that one out of the two? One certainly shone over the other one, uh, being the Queen Street location. Uh, that location, today uh, has a Hudson's Bay store as well as currently anyways, it has a Saks Fifth Avenue store that's kind of built within it. 
uh, right. on the Queen Street side, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue in 2016, uh, opened a new store. It's basically carved into the Hudson's Bay store. The Young and Bloor store for Hudson's Bay, incredibly, even though, goodness, what almost a decade ago, the signage and Hudson's Bay was rebranded from the Bay to Hudson's Bay um, with a new logo and everything that was never changed at the Young and Bloor location. I mean, that almost seemed like a dead giveaway for many that that large store that had been a flagship for Hudson's Bay in years past, also in one of the wealthiest locations in Canada at the corner of Young and Bloor near Yorkville and Rosedale never saw a renovation or even a rebranding of its location. It was one of only a few that never got that rebranding. So I think a lot of people already had assumed that that location had a limited lifespan, really for the fact that it wasn't being uh, fixed up like the other locations under the direction of Bonnie Brooks and subsequently. Interesting. And like at the end of the day, you're mentioning it just wasn't getting any renos and not being updated. I'm going to go into that a little bit more. I think its last major renovation was in the 1990s. I remember seeing this in an annual report when I was in university and this was in the late 1990s. So that was quite a while ago. I don't think the store has seen much uh, updating since then. So it's not in good condition. In fact, I would say that the store is in uh, a less than satisfactory condition for a uh, department store generally, Um, not even including... Uh, the rebranding we situation where you know the floors are not in great condition nor the carpets uh, yeah. well and that's significant just because of where it's located and the prevalence or the affluence of where that store is right and that again is in a very significant location above one of the busiest transit interchanges in canada if not north america mm-hmm. at young and bloor as well as um again a store that is close to some very very wealthy yeah. neighborhoods and it is quite surprising that this store was not upgraded given where it is in terms yeah. of the wealth that is in Toronto. Crazy. Now I know that there is, you know, retailers that operate really close to each other. And I keep on thinking of the joke that we had two Starbucks, like kitty corner to each other on Robson and Thurlow in downtown Vancouver. But um, is there any other instances where retailers are operating two large stores like this department store situation in close proximity because, you know, Young and Blur was pretty close to the Queen Street location. Well, yes, actually. One thing that I was thinking, I, I, I like to sometimes use examples of different cities around the world. In this case, when I looked at Toronto, I was thinking a little bit about Madrid, which has okay. really one that's in Spain. Yeah. I'm sure people hopefully know that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in Madrid, uh, there's a department store called El Corte Inglés, the English cut in Spanish. Uh, it has a large flagship location up in Castellana, which would be the equivalent of the Young and Queen Hudson's Bay flagship store. So it's got a floor, including a lot of luxury brands, which is not something Hudson's Bay has for the most part. Um, it's got Saks Fifth Avenue, but um, El Corte Inglés also in the Salamanca area of, I'm, I'm brutalizing the pronunciations, by the way, I've anglicized them for those that might think I'm gauche. You might be right as well, but uh, <laughs> the, the Salamanca, um, El Corte Inglés uh, stores, because there's a separate men's store and women's store, uh, is in a neighborhood that is quite similar, I'd say, to Yorkville in terms of its wealthier demographic with large apartments and, and you know, households with money. Um those El Corte English stores are luxury stores because they do cater to the neighborhood. And the stores over a number of years here have continually added high-end brands, which uh, has resulted in pretty good retail sales there. So that was something that I had thought that we would see for the Young and Bloor intersection with that Hudson's Bay store would be some sort of a renovation where perhaps even the room, which is the luxury 
fashion department for Hudson's Bay down on Queen Street would have been, say, moved up to Young and Bloor where the money is and where Old Renfrew is as a competitor. But but that never happened. And uh, that strategy was never implemented, nor will it be. Uh, but something did come close was when in I think it was 2014, I guess. Yes, it would have been. Um, there had been an announcement that Saks Fifth Avenue would be taking over that Young and Bloor, Young and Bloor oh. Hudson's Bay store. Uh, I was told subsequently uh, that announcement may have been part of a negotiation tactic to try to get a better deal out of Cadillac Fairview, which was buying the Hudson's Bay building and adjacent office tower down at uh, what is now CF Toronto wow. Eaton Centre uh, or at what is now also uh, a Hudson's Bay flagship store, which is now part of Hudson's uh, of the CF Toronto Eaton Centre because of that acquisition by Cadillac right. Fairview. So. Um, but you know, it is a little bit sad for me personally that the Hudson Bay at Young and Bloor is closing. Um, even though the store is in terrible condition, uh, it is a store that I shop at cause it's convenient. You just get a pair of socks, right there. umbrella gloves, whatever, <laughs> if you need it. And it's there, but I uh, just have to find some other place to shop. We also lost Zara and are going to be losing H and M. So we're losing some stores here, at least in the neighborhood that, uh, means I'll probably have to go further downtown and, uh, to shop at the other Hudson's Bay store at Queen and Young because that's where some of the retail seems to be polarizing. That isn't super high end anyways in Toronto. Well, and if you have a lot of these mid-market retailers that are leaving the Mink Mile being Bloor Street um, and then being replaced by more luxury retailers, does that kind of imply that Hudson Bay is kind of out of its element in the luxury um, area that's being created there as it's kind of leaving in the same way that mid-market retailers are leaving that zone? I would think so. I mean, Hudson's Bay with uh, Young and Bloor anyways would certainly be a mid-market store. Um, there isn't a lot about that store that uh, is, you know, screams luxury. There aren't many luxury brands. There are some, you know, somewhat higher end brands out there. Like for menswear, there's some Strelson, which is nice. Hugo Boss, um, Lacoste. I mean, these are not the brands that you would find for the most part at Whole Renfrew, but uh, uh, they're not cheap brands yeah. either. So, um, but but they don't, really i guess speak to what the neighborhood would warrant in terms of you know brands within that store location fair enough so once hudson bay gets out of dodge and is leaving the mink mile being blur street again um what do you think is going to be taking its place once it's gone well that's a good question a lot of people have been asking this i don't have definitive information but i have all <laughs> kinds of gossip and other things that i've heard so i'll share a little Ooh, bit of that Gossip. Love it. um, (laughs) One of many reasons why this store is closed is my understanding is there is a bit of a um, appetite to redevelop the corner of Young and Bloor. In this case, this would be the northeast corner, which has a Royal Bank right at the corner. You've got the Hudson's Bay store that's to the side of it. You've got a 35 story uh, tower at the uh, above the bank, essentially. Um, now, my understanding is that the city of Toronto has earmarked well over a billion dollars, over 1.5 anyways, to um, redevelop the subway uh, interchange that is underneath of the Hudson Space right. Centre and underneath the intersection, essentially, because it's kind of configured that way um, uh, for the subway uh, lines that go north, south and east and west. Um, on top of that, again, there may be an opportunity to tear down the office building. This is a complex owned by Brookfield. Uh, to build a much taller yeah. building because at that corner there is a uh, luxury skyscraper under construction called the one at one blur street west which will span more than a thousand feet into the air it might actually be over 1100 feet it might have gotten a height increase i'd have to check on that but it's certainly over a thousand feet uh, on top of that there's another building about 850 feet uh, tall across the street uh, one blur east so 
This is an intersection that's seeing very tall buildings. Uh, who knows if we could get our first 100-story tower in Toronto? I don't know, but you never know if it's going to happen. It could be at this corner. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been told that uh, there could be an appetite to uh, um, expand the facade, which uh, we've seen with the new W Hotel, which is set to open, I think, within a few weeks. It's looking like it's pretty much finished. I was just walking by and they've taken some hoarding down. Uh, we may see again um, a much nicer looking Young and Bloor corner in years to come. Well, I, I don't think it could get much worse in terms <laughs> of that one northeast corner and how it looks right now with this big bunker. We'll, we'll put a photo in this uh, in the show notes yeah. here for those who that aren't familiar uh, with this Hudson's Bay store because the other corner at the northwest corner, um, Swarovski and Talbots have closed, and a major um, global brand or a brand that plays globally will mm. be moving in. I'm not going to say yet who yeah. it is. Uh, and then, um, you know, the cats out of the bag that Apple would be tentatively opening on the uh, within the one Bloor West uh, uh, podium. Uh, but there's also a lawsuit and whatnot. We were just we weren't coming out and saying Apple too much. We were just asked not to, including Sam Mizrahi personally asked me not to at least ask him who the tenant yeah. was uh, when I interviewed him in 2015. But um, with the lawsuit out there, I mean, this has been put into the public realm that uh, this was a lease for a large Apple mm. store. So that's the skinny among the plans that we're seeing at the corner of Young and Bloor. So I, I think it's very, very yes. exciting. Yeah. And with a lot of the departures, especially due to COVID or just changing in retail strategies for a lot of these retailers, there's a lot of vacancies going on on Bloor Street at the moment. So I'm just wondering, where do you think Bloor is heading, especially with the departure of Hudson Bay? Yeah, well... There have been, there are quite a few vacancies on Bloor Street right now, um, including the uh, luxury stretch, which we used to call the Mink Mile. We probably won't call it that much anymore because most of the luxury brands at this point have banned fur oh, yeah. and exotic skins, especially fur. <laughs> so Mink, I guess, is on the yeah. way out and it really is this time. Uh, Holt Renfrew is even banned fur as of uh, the end of last mm -hmm. year. But um, I don't think it's all bad news. For anyone walking down the street right now, um, Bloor Street, say, from Young Street to Avenue Road, it looks bad. I'm going to say that. I mean, there are a lot of vacancies. There's going to be a few more coming. There was a story in the Toronto Star that was a little bit disparaging, saying, you know, it looked like the sky was falling, uh, lots of vacancies. But that journalist didn't actually know what was happening in terms of there are some exciting things that are coming. I did mention that at the northwest corner, there's going to be a major retailer moving in there, along with the redevelopment of Cumberland Terrace is what it's called. A very, very exciting um, we're going to see all kinds of retailers coming in. Um, Bloor Street is going to become a street for big brands. Uh, we've seen one uh, major retailer that I think has leased the former Pottery Barn space. Um, I won't say too much more in terms of details there, but it's uh, some exciting news. A few other retailers will be coming into the area. One that's a bit controversial is Alexander Wang. Um, uh, I won't go into detail as to why that's controversial, but people can Google that if they so wish. Uh, we'll be opening a store at 110 Bloor Street West, and we've got uh, all kinds of other announcements that we've already made in Retail Insider. I hadn't announced that one until right now, but, uh, you know, Rolex uh, will be opening quite a large store uh, on Bloor Street. Um, we're also going to be seeing some very significant redevelopments. The Harry Rosen store at some point will be demolished along with the uh, tower next to it at 80 Bloor uh, for a project. Uh, the 66th floor building or 1200 Bay Street, I guess it would be technically 
where Hakeem Optical occupies the corner will be redeveloped with a tall tower. I don't know how high it's going to be because I don't think their current proposal will be approved. And then um, another project basically from Sephora to St. Thomas Street is going to transform the street with a proposal that would include a 79 story tower above retail. So a little bit scary in terms of there's going to be a lot of demolition and rebuilds on Bloor Street, but I think there's an opportunity for incredible new retail. Uh, So it's not all bad, but we are going to be seeing quite a... uh, uh, transformation of uh, Bloor Street, including the luxury strip over the next few years. And I think overall it's going to be positive, but I think it's also going to be a mix of uh, luxury brands and big brands, which may not necessarily be luxury, but will uh, be extremely recognizable. So maybe a little bit like Michigan Avenue in Chicago, um, I guess I could say that, but I, I don't want to use that as a strong example because Michigan Avenue has been struggling for a few years here, especially with the pandemic. So things are not what they were on that street. So hopefully Blur fares better in the long run. Now, just to kind of wrap up the podcast, is there any kind of fond farewell that you'd like to wish to Hudson Bay as it parts the Blur Street location? Even though I've, 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 said a few things about the store in terms of it being not well kept uh, uh the, the store is certainly not what uh, we would expect from that location i'm going to be a little bit sad to lose the furniture floor uh, on the uh, fifth level because that floor had not been renovated really since the 1970s which means it has a really cool brick floor <laughs> that reminds me of when i was a kid because i'm you know almost 46 and uh, retail used to look like that in, in the seventies. I'm just thinking Southgate mall in Edmonton when I was a little <laughs> kid running around, um, you go up to that furniture floor of the Hudson Bay store and it's like going back in time a little bit, but it's now retro and kind of yeah. cool. And I'm going to have to go up there and do some photos and videos just to preserve it, have that memory because that kind of brick floor thing that I grew up with still elicits these memories for me that are quite exciting. And um, I'm just thinking my, you know, aunt who'd worked at Woodward's, I mean, even Woodward's had floors like that uh, in Western Canada. So it's part of a bygone era. So if anyone is listening to this in the Toronto area and wants to pop in and have a last look at some seventies relics in terms of retail design, uh, head up to the uh, top uh, furniture level of that Hudson's Bay store at Young and Bloor and and have a peek because uh, you're not going to have an opportunity for long, that store is getting ready to close and um, much of it has already been cleared out as of the time that we're recording this podcast, which is May 15th yeah. or sorry, which is on March uh, yeah. 15th. So, well, and again, thanks for going through and chatting about the closure because it happened while I was away. And uh, I really was wondering, because I know that you're very passionate about it. So thanks for t- making the time and going through this with our listeners, Craig. Yes, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, welcome back to The Weekly with by Retail Insider. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back with more of these regularly. So thank you, everyone, again, for listening. Take care and bye for now. Bye.